Amen. Wow. That was good. We're going to continue this, this Advent teaching that we've been walking through, and I want to spend just a few minutes walking through this last passage. Um, we're glad you came. I, I realize that on Christmas that uh, a lot of people are willing to say yes to an invite to church uh, at Christmas time. I know growing up uh, in my family, maybe you're like me, in my family it was Christmas and around Easter time we would go, maybe the occasional time when somebody was singing or doing something that we knew. And so this becomes a special time, I know, to come and be a part of God's family. So if you're one that you came because you were invited to come, we're just glad you're here. I hope you've enjoyed being here, and we try to work so hard as being such a a family-style church, and I hope you felt that already since you've been here this morning. Um, Now, we have all the kids in here. Everybody's here this morning. I want to start, I want to tell you a story before we talk about this story, all right? So, kids, this this story may be a little bit hard to believe, all right? Um, But but just follow along here, all right? So, I was out fishing one time uh, out in the ocean, and just off the the kind of the shoreline of, of the ocean there, and as I was casting over and over and over, have you ever done that fishing where you're casting and you're getting nothing and you're just throwing and, and uh, pretty soon you think that's what fishing is, just casting and reeling, casting and reeling, that there's no actual fish involved. Well, that's what's going on. And eventually, I hooked on to something. And it felt like something big. Now, I know John Crookshank back here, our avid fisherman, is right away saying that's the unbelievable part. But it's not, John. All right? All right? So hang with me. So I latched onto this thing, um, and it feels like something really big. So kids, can you like picture what type of fish might be pulling on it? it big, that's what I'm thinking, all right? Now, usually when, when big, in actuality, we're talking this. But, I mean, this one must have been, um, I don't know, longer than my arms can reach. Strong. So as I'm trying to reel and do this, this tactic, you know, you let out, you reel in, you let out, you reel in kind of thing, I realize I'm making no progress whatsoever. And I start to find myself getting pulled out towards the ocean, and my strategy is not working very well. Um, eventually, I'm knee-deep, waist-deep, and before I knew it, I, mean, I couldn't even hang, quite hang on anymore with the waves and stuff, and I'm now out swimming trying to reel this I don't know what you're laughing at. Trying to reel this fish in. I mean, this is huge. Did I say that part? And so as I'm out there and I'm being pulled out towards the way, I realize now this fish has control and is taking me out to sea. Um, As I'm being taken out, I turn and I look. I had no idea that I was somewhere around 100 or so yards now away from the shore being drugged out, but still fighting and battling, um, not knowing what I was going to do. But then I felt under my feet. Are you following me, kids? Okay, I felt under my feet uh, these, some type of animals come under me, and I looked down and I realized there was two dolphins beneath my feet, and they acted like, like, like skis beneath me, and lifting me back to the surface, and now I'm being, uh, as I'm being tugged out, I have these dolphins as my support, and I'm reeling, and I keep reeling in, and, and this goes on for hours. I mean, hours, all right? And eventually, they t- we go into this little cove area, and I'm thinking, I'm going to win now. I've, I'm, we're kind of locked in this little area here, and the fish is you know, not going to go anywhere in here, and I think, I, I'm, I'm set, right, uh, being in this area, but the dolphins left me, and I was in the little cove area, and now sinking down, and I decided to just 
cut bait, as they say, and get, uh, get away, and then the, the fish swam away, and I thought, well, I'm out here in the middle of the cove, after hours of battling, pretty tired, I thought, well, what am I going to do? I don't have the energy to swim to shore, and as I look over, there was a large team of monkeys uh, on the shore, and just like the little barrel game, they started to hook arms like this out into the water. And I grabbed on, and they hooked me and pulled me into shore to safety. Now, I probably could go on for this story, um, adding a few things for the next hours or so, um, but I'd be talking to empty chairs. Um, Obviously, a far-fetched story that I think when I got to the point where I said I hooked a big fish, I lost many of you, uh, then the pulling me out lost a pretty good number of you. I think I had some of the kids, though when I said I was swimming, but the doll, I probably lost you at the dolphins, right? Um, a far-fetched story, I understand. Sorry to start off the morning that way. Can I just tell you, though, this story about Jesus, this story about a young lady, 13 or 14 years old, not married, becoming pregnant, uh, culturally, it was just uh, amazing what that would have done to her. This story is ridiculous. As ridiculous as a story I just told you. And so when, when we claim it as believers, when we take this story and we say, this is God's plan, this is how God introduced his son to the world, I'm telling you, we are telling a whopper of a tale. That's what's going on. Because, listen, if you were going to want to bring a king into the world, if you wanted to bring somebody in who is going to be called the Savior you certainly were not going to do it the way the Bible describes. You certainly were not going to find a 13 or 14-year-old girl, and you were going to appear to her and say, look, look, I know you're not married, but you're going to be pregnant. And it's not going to be by some guy. It's going to be the Holy Spirit. And you're going to need to go explain that to people. Who's going to believe that one? And then what I'm going to do is right at the time of birth, I'm actually going to make you have to leave your home. You're going to have to go somewhere else. And when you get to that somewhere else, nobody will take you in. You will be left out in the streets or left without a proper room, and you're going to have to have that baby. Now, I realize uh, at this time of year, you drive through the nativity scenes at the churches and stuff, and they're very beautiful, and they're lit up, you know, and everyone has a a pleasant look on their face, you know, like, that kind of thing. But that's not what it's like when you have a child, is it? I mean, there is some screaming. There's some hollering. There's, there's ugliness that goes on when a child is born, right? And this is a scene that this young mother has to endure. This is a crazy story that we read about. I guess when I look at all this, I think, why? Why did God introduce his son to the world in such a fashion? It doesn't stop right here. We find right after this, it's these shepherds in the field that he goes and he, uh, the angel appears to and tells them about Jesus. So the first people to hear about Jesus, other than Joseph and Mary here, are shepherds. Shepherds certainly were not in the high-class category of this age. In fact, most shepherds, when they finally did come into town, they were trying to be ushered out of town by the townspeople pretty quick and get back into the hillsides. It's a crazy story. And we find out later when we talk about the wise men, I mean, when we say wise men, or they traveled from afar, well, guess what? These weren't Bible believers here. In fact, they probably knew little about 
the Jewish history and the Jewish religion. And yet God chooses them to come to search for the child to give gifts. Why? Why does it fit together this way? Why does Jesus choose the components, excuse me, God choose the components to introduce his son to the world? Why not just with a, a big trumpet and, and, and blast and bolt of lightning and then Jesus appearing there in adult form ready to take control of the kingdom? Why does he do it this way? I think when we look at people, it's much easier to like people that are likable. <laughs> Am I right? It's much easier that way. It's much easier to look and say the quote-unquote beautiful people of the world, those are the ones that are easy to like and to be drawn to. Now, I'm going to date myself here, but some of you are my age, so you'll know exactly where I'm going. Um, do you remember the show Saved by the Bell? Yeah? Uh-huh. Okay, good. Yeah. So I, when you watch Saved by the Bell, which I did quite frequently every Saturday morning, oh, <laughs> I was in college, I regret to say, uh, you look at the show, who are the characters you're drawn to? It was such a stereotypical show, it's, it was the beautiful, popular ones that you're drawn to. It's certainly when you were watching, ladies, when you were watching that show, it certainly was not Screech that you said, oh, if I can only date that guy. <laughs> we're drawn to that type of person. And so it would have been very easy in our understanding to think that this person wasn't going to come big and powerful. Big and powerful. Because we're drawn to big and to powerful, right? But God had a completely different plan. You see, when God looked on humanity, and we talked about this a few, a few weeks ago, how much he loves his creation, his humanity creation, when God looks upon this, guess what he sees? He sees a mess. <laughs> he really does. I mean, he looks at you and he looks at me, and he realizes we live pretty messy lives, Right? I can remember in fifth grade, this is the first time where I really thought, man, I'm capable of this. I was working in the ice cream booth at uh, my school, and we got a free ice cream every day for working in the ice cream booth. So I thought, it made sense to me, that if I didn't take the ice cream, I would take the money, right? You know, quarter on ice cream, I didn't take the ice cream, I'll take the quarter instead. And I did this for several days, you know, and built up a pretty good wad of, of coins at the time, and I was into little Smurf figurines, okay, I'm sorry to say, so, but I was, and uh, I went to walk to the mall, and my mom said, well, hey, where'd you get the money? And I started coming up with every story I could come up with, because I knew what I had done at the school was not proper. That was a two-week nightmare in my house, uh, once my mom had realized that I stole something from the school. We didn't go to church, but guess what my mom said? She said, you're going grounded for two weeks, and you're going to talk to the pastor. And that was the worst. So I can understand sometimes when I call you guys and you don't pick up the phone that <laughs> my mom set me up to understand. Oh. We live messed up lives. You see, we make decisions in our life that cost us dearly. Oh, sometimes we're locked into things that we wish we could get out of, but we're so locked into them, what do we call it? We call it addiction. We live messy lives. We start relationships and they bomb out. And we quit relationships. Kids sometimes have to go a couple different homes and things like that. We look back and we go, wow, there's just all this messiness that goes on in our life. And guess what? When God looks at us, he sees it too. And so when he looks down and he sees it, guess what he wanted to do? He says, I want to make that messiness. I want to make all that brokenness, all that kind of ugliness that, that has gotten mixed up. I'm going to make it whole again. 
I'm going to make it pure. I'm going to make it beautiful. And I think God's way, when he looked at it all and he said, this is going to be my plan, I'm just going to step into the ugliness and it's going to look ugly just the same. But then I'm going to show them how I can walk through it, obedient to God, following God, and live a completely different life. And that's what Jesus is an example of. You see, Jesus is not just an example of perfect living, though he is. The Bible says he, he never sinned. He never knew sin. Jesus just is an example of somebody who popped on the scene that knew Scripture really, really, really well, though we find that he does know Scripture well. Jesus is an example of somebody who came on the scene and was able to function 33 years through the ugliness of life. He lived through it all. The trials, the burdens, the, the tough times, he lived through it. And yet to walk through it clean. Why? Because he said, you know, daily I'm going to put my obedience, I'm going to put my trust, and I'm put my walk with my Heavenly Father. And so when I look at us today, I think, why not the same for us? We probably won't have the perfect lives like Jesus lived. We've already uh, well passed that part of it, right? But why can't we manage the ugliness of life? the rough spots, the hard times, the, the times we've already blown it and we're still trying to kind of fix it or get back ahead, why couldn't we manage all of that, putting our trust and our faith and our walk with God? Now, as I finish up here, I really think, and you can't put everybody in categories, and I apologize for doing so, but I would say there's about three different kinds of people roughly here today. There would be some that you've never put your faith or trust in God, that even those words that I just said are things that you said, you know, I, I, Tom, nice guy and everything, I just don't buy into that all. And it was a nice service and stuff, but I'm going to kind of go on from here and do my thing, and, and we'll just continue on. That's one group. There's another group of you, though, that you've, you've put your trust in the Lord at some point. some point you've been moved enough or God grabbed hold of you enough that you said, that's what I want, that's what I want to follow but he never really became Lord of your life. And so you find yourself kind of bouncing back and forth. You know, you hear this great worship song one time and you think, wow, that's so moving and so inspirational. I'm close to God. But then the obedient side you've kind of struggled with and you say, man, I feel far from God. And so you kind of bounce back and forth. That's another category of folks. And then there's a third category too that I think is here this morning that you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because you can point to the ugly situations of your life. You can point to the things that you blew, that you were the cause, and other times where it was just circumstantial. And you can see where you said, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this, but I'm going to trust in God. And I'm going to walk with him. I'm going to claim his word. I'm going to live that way. And you know what? God guided you through that situation. That's another category this morning. I would say this morning, outside of that third category, I would at very least invite you. I, I would maybe go, I need to go stronger than invite you. I would just urge you, the Bible uses that word beseech you, to say, investigate what God has to offer your life. Investigate. If you're in the first category and you've never said yes to Christ, often that's because we've never really opened up to his word to see what living for him could be all about and what he has to offer for us. Not just life eternal, though that is incredibly significant, but also what he offers you right here, right now, to function in your life. If you're in the second category, uh, you may be like I was for many years, and, and you just, I have a little issues here. 
There we go. Doesn't it just get a little tiring bouncing back and forth in the Christian life? Can I tell you that I think we get stuck in that category because we find it's kind of all on me. I just need to try harder, which trying harder is, is really no plan at all. And so I encourage you, if you're in that second category, get in God's word. Find out what does he say to us? How does he say that he has this deeper living, this walk with Christ? If you're in that third category, I want to tell you this. You're not off the hook this morning. I want to tell you this. Use your testimony. There are so many people that need to hear your testimony. They need to hear how you've overcome. They need to hear how you said yes to God and you made it through a situation. They need to hear how you can say you feel close to God. And so I invite you, share your testimony as often as you can share it. Tell people it. The whole story are little snippets, but get it shared so people can hear and know that there's victory as well. I want to pray for you this morning, and I realize that you have all kinds of Christmas traditions, um, but I want to encourage you on Christmas, whether it's Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, to gather your family around, to open up his word, to go to Luke chapter 2, and just read the first 20 verses of Luke chapter 2 together as a family. Now, I know some of you might say, hey, uh, you know, we go somewhere, we go to friends, or we go to, uh, you know, uncle's house or whatever. Tell you what, it's okay. All they can tell you is no. Gather the family around and read those first 20 verses of Luke chapter 2 and set the tone for your Christmas day or your Christmas Eve with the story of what God offered to us. Let's pray. Father, it's a, it's a crazy story how you came into this earth. But I think, Lord, the crazier story in my head is, is that after all you've done for us, after how you set up the most vulnerable entrance into our world that could happen, and then really one of those painful exits, is that we would just choose to ignore it altogether? That's the more tragic story, Lord. That's the more hard to believe and hard to stay with. And so, Lord, I just pray that there be anyone here this morning that at this Christmas they would say, you know, they need to cinch it up. They need to just solidify that, that this baby, this, this Lord, this Christ child is indeed the Savior. Father, I pray that they would do it. And this morning they would just say, it's time for me to follow and put my trust in Jesus Christ, to know God and to walk in his ways. Lord, I know there's some here that they have the Christian testimony and they have even at times, they've even at times convinced themselves that I believe in God, I go to church, that really should be enough. Because I think you're calling them to so much more and you have so much more blessing you want to offer. The, your favor, as we've talked about. And then Lord, I pray for that third group that, Lord, if they're ones that they can see the victory, they can see what you've done, Lord, would you just flood them with opportunities even this week to share their story, to share their testimony, and that out of that word, as your word says, others would come to know you as their Savior because of the testimony. We'll claim it all in your name, Lord. We pray it. Amen. Well, good. In a few minutes, uh, when we finish our service out, 
uh, we have some hay rides right outside, some cookies, and, and uh, we were going with just hot chocolate, and then the 75-degree day surprise hit us. So we've got some hot uh, chocolate milk as well to go along with it. So all good stuff out there. Um, so uh, right after service, we're, we would invite you to just kind of hang out. Um, I got one more nice gift for you before I, I want to share a couple of announcements, and that is that you don't need to tear down one single item this week. Everything gets to stay up right where it's at. Isn't that incredible? So, isn't that amazing? So, yeah, that's good. That's good. Now, some of you, I can tell you're not part of the setup and tear down team because you're like, yeah, no, that's good. That's good. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So, uh, for the next two weeks, we're going to leave everything set up just like it is. So, uh, time, grab your card if you've got it right here. So, um, if you would take that and fill that out, should have uh, got some pins or they're around, fill that out for us. If you're new with us especially, we're glad you're here. We'd love to tell you just a little bit about the church. As much information as you're willing, put it on the front. Now, when our ushers come through, don't drop this in the offering. Uh, if you're new with us, take it to the Welcome Center uh, instead. Now, here's how we're going to finish service. Let me give a little instructions. We have this custom we've done the last several years of singing Joy to the World to finish off our morning service. But we do it a little different. So that wasn't part of it. That wasn't part of the plan. So that will be a new tradition. Um, it is how we do it. We want to invite you when you stand with us. We realize many of you are kind of here. You're, you're here with friends and family. And so we're going to sing through uh, the first uh, verse, a traditional style of, of joy to the world. And during that first verse, we want to invite you to just kind of love on your family. I know you're like, what? That's so weird. But I recognize that sometimes, even as we roll through Christmas, we don't take the time to kind of stop, hug each other, say, I love you, Merry Christmas to you. And so we want to give you that opportunity this morning. So during the first verse, stay with me, do that with your family. Give a hug, say, hey, I love you, Merry Christmas, that time of day, squeeze on your kid, whatever you want to do that first verse. Then when we hit joy to the world part, the chorus, just belt it out. We'll all sing it nice and loud together. Make sense? Now, the second time, we have, you have an additional family as well. And this is your church family. Now, I don't want you actually kissing on your church family. All right? That'll get a little weird. All right? But during the second court, we want to invite you. Just turn and look around. Walk through aisles. Do whatever you want. But say Merry Christmas to somebody. You're glad you're here. Appropriate hug if you kind of know that person. This probably wouldn't be the time to introduce yourself with a hug. But... Uh, but just interact, say good morning, bless somebody's day during the second. And then the final time we'll sing the chorus, nice together, we'll belt it out again. Here, all right? So does that make sense? Some loving, singing, loving, singing. Make sense? All right? Nice, nice tradition. Now, first got to stand with me, though, and then we'll go into singing it. 